Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Last week we began our series, I Will Build My Church, and we're talking about in this series um, the type of church that Jesus promises to build in the Bible, and, uh, and it's, it's cool because um, Jesus said, I will build my church, and that takes the pressure off of us feeling like we have to build His church, and in fact, you are the church being built up in Him, is what the Bible says. And so Jesus promises, He said, I will build my church, and... Uh, no powers of hell will be able to overcome it. And so today, um, we are going to continue this series, and uh, we're going to be talking specifically this morning about church as a family, church as a family, and specifically how we can approach church relationally, because it's supposed to be a relational thing. We're supposed to be able to connect with people here. We're supposed to be able to grow together with people here. Um, Let's go back to our key passage first, Jesus' response. This is his response to the brokenness in our world today. In Matthew chapter 16, it says this, Verse starting in verse 18, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Now remember, right before this, um, Peter made his confession. Jesus said, But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You're the one that, they, um, that was promised about, that's been foretold about for thousands of years now. You're the guy that's on the scene. And Jesus responds to him like this, he says, I say that you are now Peter. See, his, his name was Simon, which meant little pebble. And now Jesus is saying, your name is Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Guys, remember that the church, the local church, churches just like Summit View, but not limited to God's local church around the earth. That's His plan A for this world right now. We're not, we're not His plan B. Um, God doesn't need a plan B. We're, we're God's plan A for bringing hope to the world that we live in today. It's through the local church mobilized. That's a sweet baby. Through the local church mobilized that, that we're going to be a vessel that delivers hope into the world today. And so today, um, you know, God's plan works if we work it. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be learning how we can work it. And specifically how we can relate to and see the church as more than a place. Because I want you to remember this, that church is more than just a place that we go to. It's a family that we belong to. That's what the church is. If this building was torn down and it was, uh, you know, the floods washed it away, dear God, please, no, not again. But if it were to happen, we would still be the church united, that the church is not the place, the church is the people. And so church is more than a place we go to. It's a family that we belong to. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, out of the message version says this, That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. 
This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. I hope that you guys hear that this morning, that no matter what area of life you come from, no matter what you look like, no matter what you act like, no matter what your, um, your demographic might be, that you guys belong here. Our goal is to create a church that everyone can feel like they belong because everybody deserves to belong somewhere. And, and it says here, you belong here with as much right, and this is talking about the, the spiritual kingdom of God, you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, and He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what He's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. God is quite at home here. So this question comes up, all the time. I mentioned it last week, but I want to address it again. This question comes up a lot of time that people ask, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? The answer is absolutely not. You don't have to, um, to go to church to be a Christian, but this is our big idea today. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a part of a church family to be a Christian, but you do have to be part of a church family in order to be a growing Christian. In order to be thriving in your spiritual life, you do need to be a part of a spiritual family. That's not something that God calls optional because He created us to be together, to do life together as a family. See, what weights are to your muscles when you're working out, what weights are to your muscles, relationships are to your spiritual growth. So you can't get stronger without lifting heavier weight. You can't grow further in your life, further into your faith, without relying and leaning on other people. That's just the way that God designed it. You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. Also, um, you know, a lot of us like to get into this place, and, and it's easy to get into. We get into this place, really, of isolation. That, hey, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Um, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to have my personal faith right here at home. I listen, to, I listen to the podcast on Mondays. I'm good. I don't have to be around people. But isolation is, is such a trap. See, isolation breeds this self-deception that you can do it alone. Isolation will it, it'll fool you into thinking that you've that you're mature that you've got it all together. But but truly, the one of the reasons that we're here today is that we're supposed to be challenging each other to grow. We're supposed to be kind of lifting each other up. We're supposed to be um, like I'm supposed to tell you about your blind spots, and you're supposed to do the same for me. We're supposed to grow together and kind of put a little challenge between our family because I don't know a family today that doesn't have a little bit of tension, but but the healthy ones will grow through that tension. And it's the same thing with your spiritual family. God wants us to grow together because the tension is what's going to be um, able to cause the growth in our life. We start highlighting some of our blind spots and things like that. Also, um, isolated people are weird people. Like, just be honest. Okay, you don't believe me. Have you ever seen the movie Castaway? Think Tom Hanks with a volleyball named Wilson. Wilson! Nobody's seen Castaway. Just 
those. All right, I'm gonna. One of these days, I'm gonna find a movie that people actually have seen in here. What are your? Fa- tell me later. Hey, you know what? Post on the Facebook wall. What is your favorite movie? Because I'm gonna reference it one of these days. I don't know. Tom Hanks and Castaway. Think of these old hermits, like in the woods. With hopefully, there's none around here. Praise God. I don't know if they are. Maybe they'll come here. I don't know. But the the people you. What do you picture as a person that's isolated? Like their beard's real grown out, and they're kind of haven't taken a shower in in however long, and you smell them before you see them come in. You know what I'm talking about. But no, isolated people. You have a tendency to be weird because you got nobody that's going to keep you in check. Like you need that. Don't be Tom Hanks screaming to your volleyball. Volleyball is dangerous. Just telling everybody that's why I'm limping. It's dangerous. But Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says this Since we are all one body in Christ, one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. You can't do it alone, you can't thrive alone. We need each other. In fact, you belong to me and I belong to you. That's the way that God has, has, has built us up. If you think about a house, if there, there are certain bricks that if you were to take out a house, it would lose structural stability. You can't just hope that one, one brick placed in, in the right spot is going to be able to hold up the entire house. No, each brick needs its, the other bricks in order to, to have that strength to hold up what needs to be held up. And it's the same with us as people. Each of us needs one another to be able to hold each other up, to be able to hold this church up, Summit View. We, we all need to rely on each other. So Sunday services at Summit View are amazing. Like there's, there's nothing greater than coming together, worshiping together, praying together, crying together, sometimes laughing together if I make a, the odd funny joke. Um, some of you some, some don't laugh. <laughs> but... Thanks. But you're laughing at me now. But we need more than an hour on a Sunday in order to grow. We need more than just one hour together. Um, we need to develop strong relationships with other believers within our church. You've got to develop strong relationships with other people. Here's an example. Name the last ten messages that I preached. I'd be very surprised if anybody could do it. No, you can't. Why? What about this? Name, really, why though? No, I'm just kidding. Listen to the podcast. Name 10 people, though, that have impacted your life. You can do that, right? Because life is not shaped by the information that we take in, it's by the relationships that we build. You can't name the past 10 messages that I've preached, but you can name to me 10 people that you've talked to in the last, time, last few times that you visited because our lives are built upon relationship, not information. This church is supposed to... Like, you know, we could still have church if I didn't get up here and teach a thing because it's about the relationship and not necessarily about the information. Now, I'm going to keep getting up here and teaching because I love the sound of my own voice, but no, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all just look, some of y'all would just not know what to do. You'd be so intrigued. No, I give myself too much credit. But life is not shaped by information, it's shaped by relationships. And digital technology has, has started to make a play in this, though, that, that it's trying to counterfeit what we believe real relationships would be. Now we have, um, you can listen to a podcast. Or you can engage through the metaverse. You can just have a completely separate life online that you just engage with other people through. And that's not true relationship. 
As a church family, we can't just watch. We can't just, um, just kind of try to engage half-heartedly. No, we have to engage fully with each other. We give, we sacrifice, we encourage. The point is doing life together. Doing life together as one body. See, the church needs you, but you need the church. We're codependent on each other. You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. And, and COVID has kind of isolated us. Depression is really on the rise. It's been on the rise since it started in 2020. The CDC reported that one out of four people under the age of 30 have considered suicide since 2020. And in October of 2020 in Japan, you know more people committed suicide than died of COVID that year. That's crazy. That's wild. People are... People are on more depression and anxiety medication than they ever have been in the history of the world. And doctors and psychologists, they have come to realize that medication can only go so far. It can only do so much, but that the best cure for depression is to be around people. It's to be with one another. Everybody has this need to be known, to feel needed, to feel longed for. See, it's about, and it's not about being close to every person. Don't, don't hear that, right? So you just can't be close to everybody. Um, studies show that your relationships probably look a bit like this. You have two to five people that you consider close friendships with. Then you have 12 to 15 that are just, you just, they're friends, right? And then you have 72 to 150 people that you would consider acquaintances. And that's as far as it goes. Now, it's important to understand here that Jesus also knew that, and he also modeled that throughout the Bible. In fact, Jesus understood this reality so much that he had an inner circle of three people, Peter, James, and John, that were the closest to him, that got to see the deepest parts of his life. But then he also had the 12 disciples. Uh, I'm not going to name all of them because I can't remember them. Uh, But he also had the 12 disciples. And then he had, outside of those 12, he had 72. And then outside of those 72, he had 120. He, He knew and he modeled the fact that everybody can't be the closest to you. But... Everybody deserves the right to, be, to engage with you on some level, and you deserve the right, the right to engage with them on some level. So there's some people that, that you have a little more protection uh, from, you know what I mean? But there's some people that you can let into the deepest parts of your heart, and they're not going to betray you, and it's okay to trust them with that information. And some of us, I'm just going to... This is not my notes, but I just feel it. Some of us have built up walls and you don't have people close enough to your heart because of the trauma that you've experienced in your past. And God is trying to tell you that there should be people that know everything about you. There's people in my life that know every single thing about you. There's, there's overseers in my life that if they would tell you everything that I told them, you probably wouldn't want me pastor in the church. There's people that know everything about me. And there should be at least one to two people in your life that know everything. They have the passwords to, to your phone. They've got, they've got access to what you've accessed on the internet. They've got some way to look into your life. Maybe they know um, they have you on Life360. You, they know where you are at all times. They can call you up. Why are you there? Listen, I just wanted another pizza, man. Come on. You've already had one. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. There should be people that have that access into your life, though. And your trauma has caused you to build walls up. And God wants those to be torn down because there has to be people that know everything about you. 
It can't be everybody, but there should be somebody. So when it comes to spiritual family, there's three points that I want us to take away this morning. All right, number one, this is very important. Honesty is the best policy. Honesty is the best policy. There are things about you that I don't know. And there are things about me that you don't know. And that's okay. But there should be somebody, like we just said, that has access into that, that you can be honest with in your life. There are, there are so many surface-only Christians, and you encounter them a lot on Sunday mornings. When you walk in here, um, for the most part, you don't have enough time to get deeper than surface level. And there's surface-level Christians, but, but Jesus confronted this. He confronted this arena-only religion, meaning I'm going to put on my best face for you and I'm going to come in on Sunday and everything's going to be A-OK, everything's going to feel just fine, I don't have to show you anything else, and I'm going to walk out these doors and you don't know anything the better from it. Jesus confronted this in Matthew chapter 23. He said, hypocrites, that's a strong way to come in. You're coming at me up here, Jesus. I need you to come on down here. Hypocrites, he said, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside. Everything's cleaned up on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Y'all, the Bible's funny when you read it, though. Like, Jesus is straight savage, isn't he? He said, you're, de- you're filled with dead people's bones, what you're filled with. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, some of you look alive on the outside. Some of you look all cleaned up, but if we're going to be honest... You're not alive on the inside. You're not, you're not doing well. And you don't have to tell everyone, but you better tell somebody. I'll always stay as sick as my secrets. That's just the truth of life, is that we're always going to stay as sick as my secrets. The things that I continue to hide, the things that I continue to press down, God can't, conf- God can't confront those things. He can't change what He can't confront. My life is going to be the sum total of, uh, of the secrets that I push down. I'll always be as sick as my secrets. So why do we struggle with honesty, though? When it comes to honesty, why do we struggle with it? Number one, here's, here's one reason, because we're hurt. We're hurt. We've been hurt in the past. Relationships are messy. Relationships are, are dangerous. Honestly, there's a lot of times where you bear so much and people just, they betray you. They abuse you with it. And relationships are messy that way. So you tried to get honest and you got burned. You told people um, and they used it against you. Guys, don't give up on all people because of some people. There's somebody out there that is meant to be the person for you that you can share everything with. The problem is with maybe you trusted the wrong person. And you're going to you're gonna have to push through that. You're going to have to push through the hurt. And in fact, next week is, gonna, is probably one of the messages that I am most excited to bring to you. Um, because we're going to talk about church hurt. We're going to deal with church hurt because it's very prevalent in society. And so if you're hurt, I hope that you come back next week. Uh, I hope you leave today a little less hurt, but I hope you come back next week because I I really think that um, God wants to deal with that in us because you're never going to be able to continue forward as long as you stay in your pain. So there's one reason we struggle with honesty. We struggle with honesty because we're afraid. What will people think? Maybe, like, I'm embarrassed. Maybe you're embarrassed of your past. And, and, and here's, a, here's something you believe. You believe the lie that you're the only one that's ever gone through it. And that's where you trap yourself. 
You trap yourself saying, I'm the only one that's dealing with this. And truly, if you were to open up to people, you'd hear a lot more Hey, I go through that same thing. You know, one time I had to hear this from one of my pastors. I, was, I, was, I called him up before we started, before we planted the church, and I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Like, this, this is happening, this is happening, and I'm just losing my mind. And this, he said, dude, I've been there. He said, everybody goes through that stage. When you're, when you're planting a church, everybody goes through that. And that's all that I had to hear. And I was able to bear it to him. But sometimes we don't share it. We're not honest because we're afraid. Also, we struggle with honesty because we're proud. We're proud. We believe the, the lie that, that if we need people, it's a sign of weakness. And it's not. Needing people is honestly a sign of strength. We're supposed to be built up together. You can't be a do-it-yourself Christian. There are no DIY Christians. You can't do it on your own. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Guys, relationships can be birthed through our weakness. In fact, we, you can say it like this, that you can, you can impress other people with your strengths, but you will connect with them through your weaknesses. You can impress everybody by telling them how great you are, but the ones that are closest to you, you're going to connect with them through showing your weaknesses together. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, this is the cure to all of it. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The healing comes as a result of our openness. The healing comes as a result of us actually bearing our truth to someone else. You don't get healed unless you put it out there for somebody to help you with. There's a, it's funny that it doesn't even say confess your sins to God and pray that you may be healed. It says confess your sins to one another. And pray that you might be healed. Like your healing is going to come through you telling somebody else. Because God set it up that way. Because we have to be able to connect with each other. You can't just be a do-it-yourself Christian. To be fully loved, you have to be fully known by someone. Number two, when it comes to the church, you got to know we have each other's backs. We have each other's backs like like maybe you've walked around one time you got you had spinach in your in your teeth you know like and somebody only your closest friends are going to point out dude you got something right there you got some, just clean it out you got you just you just had a picture by the way and uh, just took it well so there was this one time that I was oh god it's so funny I was uh it was on a Sunday morning and I was walking around. We did our team. We do a team huddle every morning at 10 a.m. where we, you know, we encourage each other. We pray together and all that stuff. Get ready for this, for the day. And uh, and we get done. It's about 10:29, 10:30 or so. And I had my good buddy Josh Rogers walk up to me and he said, "Hey, you did that whole thing with your zipper down." And I said, "Thanks for telling me before 11 o'clock." <laughs> so that would have been really bad. But I don't want to be the last one in the room to realize that I have an issue. And I don't want you to be the last one in the room to realize that you have an issue. We have to have each other's backs. Proverbs chapter 27 says this. And this, like listen, before we read this. What, true friends will tell you the truth. They, like true friends are going to tell you what you need to hear, not, not always what you want to hear. 
And it's going to hurt. And, and your tendency is going to be to shy away from those people. When in reality, you need to lean into those people because they cared enough to share the truth to begin with. Now, that's not all people. Some people just want to share a truth because they're, they're just mean. Okay, But there are friends in your life that when they share a truth with you, you've got to lean into that person because they care enough. Proverbs chapter 27 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If someone is bold enough to tell me the truth in love, it's not offense, it's grace. So that's the key, though. Is they have, you have to know the people that are sharing with you love you, or else you're never going to want to receive it, right? Like, I've got to know the people. That's why you have to have people close to you. I got, I've got to have people close to me that can tell me. One of my pastors, um, like, he doesn't tell me as much anymore, but he used to tell me all the time, you're an idiot. <laughs> Get over it. It was awesome. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. But faithful are the wounds of a friend, Kisses of the, of the enemy are, are, are deceitful. If someone's bold enough to tell me the truth in love, it's never offense. It's always grace. A real friend is not afraid to hurt you in the short term in order to help you in the long term. we got to play the long game. you got to have friends that are in it for the long haul that will tell you what you need to hear right now so that years down the line you're still not struggling and you're in a worse off place. Because you got blind spots that you don't know about. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But listen to this. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We're supposed to encourage each other daily. Constantly. Why? Because the voices of discouragement are so real and they are constant in our lives, especially in the world that we live in, where anybody and everybody can just say what they want and they don't have any fear of getting punched in the face because they're doing it over the internet. Not funny, anybody else? No. Y'all never wanted to punch somebody out over Facebook? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mason Kirby. He's real we got to encourage each other daily because discouragement is so real and it's so constant. It'll come at you from every direction that you let it. And so we have to have the right voices in our life that are constantly encouraging each other. And I pray that every single conversation that I walk away from, I pray people feel better than when I got up on them. Like I want... now. It may take a few weeks to feel better, but I'm a, I, I pray that every conversation that I would have with somebody, they're going to be changed in a good way. And I pray that for you guys too. I pray that you would encourage, you would find ways every single day, at least this week, see how it turns out for you. If you think something good about somebody, tell them. Sometimes that, like if you just were like, man, that guy's working real hard, shoot him a text message. Send them a message on Facebook. Let them know. Or, or mothers. Y'all work hard too. Like today's Mother's Day or something, I guess. Um, so honor you. No, I'm just kidding. I love moms. I have one myself. I have a mother. It's great. Um, God, man. All my jokes fall flat, Tom. Just. I'm, 
yeah, I'm just, I figure if I hit you with a hundred of them, at least ten are going to land, right? Like, so y'all be ready. Some of y'all are like, I'm never coming back to this church. He is a loser. <laughs> you need the right voices in your life, and if, and you need to be the right voice in someone else's life too. That if you think something good about somebody, tell them. Tell them, don't hold it back. That's a treasure that you can't hold to yourself. You just can't hold it to yourself. John Allen, you got the best hats of anybody that I know. I love it. There you go. There's my one for the day. And then finally, when it comes to church family, number three, you got to know that we are better together. We are better together. You can't know your full potential without God and without spiritual family. And, and you can say it like this. You can't know your full potential without either one of those. You can't know your full potential if you have a spiritual family and you don't have God. And you can't know your, you can't know your full potential if you have God and don't have your spiritual family. Both of them working together is what's going to build you up into the person that God wants you to become. That's where you reach your potential. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says this in the New Living Translation. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We need each other. So when people ask, how involved should I be in the church? Here's my response to that, to that question. Here's my answer. You be as involved to the extent that you want God to work in your life. How involved should I be in church? It depends. How, how much do you want to grow in your relationship with God and with other people? How much do you want to grow spiritually? You know, over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used over 50 times because it's important that we're all together. It's important that you do life together. I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. The first time that God ever said in the Bible something wasn't good, he had, it was on the sixth day when he created man. He created Adam, and Adam was alone. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone. All before that, days one through five, God created the, the heavens and the earth and saw that it was good. God created land and sea and saw that it was good. God created birds in the air and fish in the water and saw that it was good. And then he created Adam all alone and said, this is not good. Man is not created to be alone. We're created to do life together. You're never going to reach your full potential without a relationship with the spiritual family and a relationship with God. It's not about everybody knowing every single thing that's going on in your life. But you better have some people that do. You better have some people that you can lean on. Because there's going to be a point, and if you haven't reached it yet, there's going to be a point in your life where you've got nothing else except the strength of those people that are around you 
There's going to be a point in your life where you don't feel like you can, do, you can make it one more day. And it's going to be the people that are around you that are holding you up. The Bible says, woe to the person who falls and has no one to lift him up. Two are better than one because two can hold each other up when they struggle. And, but woe to the person that has no one to lift him up when they fall. There's going to be a day where you don't have it. You don't have what it takes to keep going. And you can lean on God, but you're going to have to lean on people around you too. And you got to know that they've got your back. Guys, you should have people's number in this church that you can text when you're going through a hard time. Those relationships, though, they take time. They take trust. And ultimately, they take faith. I've got to have faith that God is bringing somebody into my life that I can trust with the innermost parts of my life, that they're not going to betray me. And he'll do it if you ask him for it. Chances are, if you ask God for somebody like that, he'll show you somebody that's already there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. It says, we loved you so much that we shared with you. Now, this is, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he says this, that we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, not only, not only the message on Sundays, but our own lives too. I sh- we share with you not only this hour on Sunday that we get to come together and do church together, but also the, the, the Monday through the Saturday. I love you enough to not make it just about this, to not make it just about the information, but to make it all about the relationship. Guys, our potential is endless when we're in a relationship with people who want more for us than they want from us. When it comes to spiritual family, honesty is the best policy. You got to know we have each other's backs and you have to know that we're better together. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.